0: You are listening to Feeding the Mouth That Bites You with Ashley Parrish and Jessica
1: Pfeiffer. A weekly podcast guide on parenting teens and launching them into the world. As always, we are joined by psychologist and author, Dr. Ken Wilgus.
0: Hey everyone and welcome back. On today's episode, we are covering part two of the Limit Setting series. Join myself, Jessica Pfeiffer, and Dr. Ken Wilgus as we jump right into this conversation. So Dr. Ken, I have a question because, you know, I only have one that's a teenager currently and I have a lot of others in line. (laughs) (laughs) And so I tried the chore charts when they were little and it didn't work. And so here's where my struggle is. As children, I've taught them that no matter no matter what mama asks you to do, you are to obey and do it. Right. So whether, you know, tonight I'm having you clear the table and you know tomorrow night I might ask you to sweep the kitchen floor. To no matter what I ask, they're to to do it. So that way they can't say, well, I don't sweep. I only clear the table. That's my job. Right. So we don't have jobs. They're just asked to do whatever I ask of them. So now when we're entering adolescence, what does it look like? What are my expectations? What should they be? What's an appropriate list of expectations for my young teenager?
2: OK, I'm glad you asked it just like that, because, you know, I want to be real clear. I think teaching children to obey is extremely important. And just as you said it, there is a proper point for many years in a child's life that you need to do the thing that your parent told you to do because your parent told you to do it. And, and obedience teaches us the basics of how we respond to God. You know, we're all teenagers when it comes to God. And that's sin. You know, like, why is you asking me to do this? Do it. He's God. You're not. So I'm all about that. But for teenagers, I think it's huge that you shift away from that because the goal of discipline with children, again, especially young children, is obedience. But the goal of discipline for teenagers must not be obedience. It must be responsibility. If you keep the same goals for your teenagers that you do for children, you will raise an obedient adult. And I've seen that over and over where they simply leave home or even break away from home because because of a charismatic boyfriend or girlfriend that now tells them how to behave and they don't know how to really respond responsibly, which is you need to make your own choice about this and your life will go better or worse based on what you choose to do. But it is not because I told you to do it. So in your example, uh, Ashley, it is definitely much better to tell adolescents. Uh, I used to say, you know, sweep the floor. And then the next day I would say this. Here's what your job is now. I won't tell you each day. It will... I will try not to throw stuff at you. I'll make you responsible instead for this task. And you need to keep it up. And if you do, it's fine. And if you don't, then there will be problems with it. That's what it motivates teenagers. Remember, the implied reward for a teenager is I will leave you alone. So Mm -hmm. if you keep the backyard cleaned up and uh, don't step in poop, you're good. But if I do find that you're not doing it, there will be this consequence. That's very different from, hey, I need you to go do this. And then, oh, now I want you to go do that. They tend to balk at the childish nature of I'm being told and ordered around like a slave. Children don't like it either, but I don't have a problem with that. They need to learn that. Teenagers have already learned that and need to move on to the next level, which is responsibility, not obedience.
1: That's good. Now, what happens if they never do it? Do we just keep raising consequences, keep raising consequences? Yeah. What if you have a defiant
2: child? (laughs) Yeah. You you know, that's a good point. If you really are communicating regularly, if this teenager believes that my parents are for my freedom eventually. They are uh, releasing freedom to me. I am free to, to communicate clearly about my disagreement. Then it's pretty rare that you have a teenager that in that household is still picking one or two things to absolutely refuse. Mm-hmm. So I, w- if you have that, and I mean literally like, nope, I am not going to go to church, for example, or I am not going to clean up, the, do the vacuuming in the den, I don't care what you say, then I would first step back and actually talk to the teenager about, wait a minute, wh- what's going on here? This isn't about church or, the, or vacuuming. Wh- wh- why are you so upset about this? Now, he or she may not tell you much, but I would not first think of, well, okay, how do we discipline doing... That's why I said, don't skip to that part in the book first. Mm-hmm. Uh, this shouldn't happen. But if it does happen where you really do have a kind of defiance, then usually uh, you want to first just survive that first dramatic moment of them telling you I'm not going to do it. Can't make me. And do not get into a battle about it. Again, what's your first thing you do? Smile. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Not going to vacuum. Not going to do the chore. Great. So, here's the deal. You already lost a dollar. You have till tomorrow to get it done. And if you don't, then it will uh, cost your phone. And then um, we'll let you know after that. But don't take the bait because that's usually what it is, is actually a momentary after 10 p.m. upset thing. And they just want to lure you into being the bully that they're pretty sure you are. And if you can survive that part, not go back to policemen, but you're a calm judge that's pretty scary and perfectly willing to increase the consequences until wow, let me see, you're not going anywhere. You have no phone and you have no devices. Is this worth it? You virtually never get to that point unless you have a teenager that has much larger issues of I think I'm being controlled in everything. I don't think I'm allowed to communicate. You usually have something else going on that they get that defiant.
1: So, Dr. Ken, sometimes I run out of ideas. My kids think I'm spending a bulk of my time thinking of terrible ways to punish them. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is I'm usually stumped. And so do you have any small consequences? I know people always talk about technology and taking away devices. I think that's pretty effective for a lot of kids. Do you have other ideas?
2: Yeah, I have lots. And, and I would absolutely I know you're Kids are wrong. You're not probably spending enough time creatively thinking about little things that you can do because what we end up doing lazily is that we can think of that one or two things, the phone or the car, and man, they don't like that. And then you start loading everything on that, and then you run out of ammo. It's weird how often, and I, when I talk about this, I end up talking like I'm an army. Drill sergeant. Like, You're gonna use all your weapons in the butt. But if you'll if you'll ignore the violent analogy, it is definitely worthwhile to have in your response arsenal, smaller things that fit smaller expectations. So, for example, uh, one of the creative uses of a reasonable allowance is that you can then give medium or small fines. A chore needs to be done, but it's not a huge sign of sin nature and defiant. It's just, you know, you don't want to do it, do you? All right, it's a buck. A fine can be a good thing. The video games that he doesn't really use anymore, I would still keep that on the list because even if you can't imagine them weeping uh, over what will I do now, although there are some kids that's that big a deal, but, you know, that thing they don't use as much, I would still use it because the idea or just the experience of having something taken away is a little bit humiliating. And so it's, still worthwhile. And again, with anything you do, you're going to try it for a couple of weeks and then see if it makes a difference. Do not take their word for it. That won't do anything. I don't care. Well, good. Then this will be fine. Don't take off a consequence because they said I won't care. That's dumb. Teenagers are very manipulative and fully know how to say this thing you're about to do to me. I don't care. And some parents fall for that. Like, okay, Mm, I guess we won't do it. You got to be kidding me. You just go, well, cool, then this won't be a problem for you and do it, but then watch for two weeks. And if the behavior doesn't change, then you have that talk of, wow, we were trying to not do much, but it's not. So we're going to have to crank it up a- in the book. And again, everything is laid out almost like math. I have a little worksheet there for you to look at what are the things that you provide phone, television, video games, time with friends, basically the things that your teenager uses and enjoys. And the your main intervention is to withdraw. Things that you have that you provide for them because that's your power. Remember that these are adults, these are young adults who are extremely poor. They own nothing. <laughs> Everything they have is yours. And if you are careful in how you withdraw the things that you are providing, usually, unless you're doing something else wrong, virtually always, that's enough to get the point across.
0: Dr. Ken, is there ever a point when a consequence is adding to? So you're asking something from them, you're not taking
2: away? Yeah, that's a great point. Yes, you can do that. You know, this is where one of the weakness in my recommendations is that I tend to swing a heavy bat. I work with kids that are really, that are just difficult. And for that reason, I tend to use, uh, I recommend passive consequences. That is that you take something, but it does not require your teenager to do anything. That even gets down to, for example, if you're fining them, I don't recommend that you say, go get me a dollar. Because again, that could make a little control battle. I say, take it off the next allowance. So in answer to your question, adding something like, because you've done this, you have to go weed the garden for a half hour. Some parents can do that. And I, I say, If you can do it, great. But most of the teenagers I work with will make that active consequence into a new battle. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's why I tend to shy away from them. The one active consequence I would not recommend, I've already made reference to, and that is the, I'm gonna make you write a thing or read a thing that implies that the consequence here is that I'm going to get into your brain and change your thoughts. Again, teenagers can tell you're trying to do that. And even if the thing they're reading or writing is good, Using that as a consequence uh, will really kind of motivate a teenager out of a control battle to show you that you can't make me think a thing by making me write a paper on the dangers of vaping, for example.
1: So sometimes it feels like the consequences that I've laid out don't actually hit the heart of the issue. You know, if I say, hey, there, you're being really disrespectful give me your phone, yeah. <laughs> And then it keeps on with the disrespect, either the tone or the way that the name calling or the demand behavior, how do I get to the heart of the issue? Because sometimes it feels like consequences and an issue don't match up.
2: And here's the thing. I think it's a reason why the example you gave is disrespect, because I say in the book that very often parents have to make a rule, an expectation about respectful talk and behavior toward your parents. And what you have to be careful with is that it is easier than you think to accidentally make a rule that says, you cannot be angry and tell us in an angry words something you disagree with us or you're going to be in trouble. And that happens a lot. Had a kid just this week. Same thing. So why don't you tell your parents that you think that rule is ridiculous? Oh, no. Are you kidding me? I'd be in trouble for saying that. Now, this kid was wrong, by the way, but her perception was that it's dangerous to openly express my unhappiness about something. So, uh, with disrespect, you want to be careful that you cannot discipline out unhappiness. You cannot teach them to not be angry with your parents. That's ridiculous. Instead, you can set reasonable limits on i get that you think we're crazy i understand that but you can't say it to me like that there's not a lot of rules that really fit disrespect when you really think about it what you can kind of actually articulate as it is disrespectful virtually always comes down to you can't cuss at us you can't call us names sometimes parents don't think about it. you can't give me a direct order like shut up get out of here mm, dude can't do that but outside of that you really it's pretty hard a lot of parents Parents want to do yelling. Well, if you've been married, you know full well that uh, yelling is a subjective thing. I'm not yelling. Yes, you are. You're <laughs> and So, so how are you going to do that? So, if you have to do yelling, then I would put yelling after one warning uh, on your list. You know, like okay, you're too loud. If you can bring it down, I want you to keep talking because you want to encourage your teenagers to tell you in words where they disagree with you. That's not a bad thing. Not mm-hmm. hammer you, but tell you. But outside of that, things like tone of voice come on. What is a teenager's tone other than they are saying in their language and the way they talk to you that they are so mad at you and they think your limit is ridiculous. OK, is that a violation of some kind? That's actually how they feel. Is that not OK for them to express? Mm-hmm. So you really need to be careful. So I think if that gets it, I think that's the reason your question about how do I really get a heart at the heart of the matter? The reason you said that I think about disrespect is that that's usually where it comes up. And in the heart of the matter is you have a teenager who is a young adult who is thinking for herself and no kidding, thinks you are out of your mind that you're not letting me do this, go to this gathering just because there's going to be alcohol there. And you cannot punish them to a point of uh, realizing that, wow, that's a good view. They think you're wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a communication issue. And then, yeah, if you've got a teenager that's cussing at you, then sure, there should be a fine for that. There needs to be consequences. But even then, don't make it huge, but definitely so that they can can't get out of line. Mm-hmm. But you cannot discipline out a teenager that's unhappy with you. That's a real thing. And mm-hmm. that that's not a discipline issue.
0: Dr. Ken, we keep talking about fines. So are we just assuming that all teenagers get allowance?
2: No, I use fines as my go-to analogy of a small consequence. But it does, yeah, it does tell you why I, I'm kind of a fan of a reasonable allowance. Uh, allowance is um, uh, you live here, so you have things you have to do like chores. But you live here and you also get money for incidentals that is not the same as paying for a chore so remember when you you tell me your friends are all going to Taco Bell and I would give you 10 bucks we're now going to stop doing that and every two weeks I'm going to give you X amount and then all that has to come out of that money and then you can find from so I like that as a way of doing a medium consequence but mm-hmm. there are less lesser things like uh, your phone has to come in an hour earlier tonight you don't have video games you can do you know smaller things like that it's not always a fine
1: dr Ken thank you so much for all of the information, I feel like I'm a little more knowledgeable about how to set some expectations and some consequences with my kids. I'm going to be more consistent. I'm determined this time (laughs) to be a little more consistent. Sometimes life gets in the way. We're busy and it's hard to remain diligent. I just end up lecturing or whatever it is, headed back to my old ways, (laughs) but this time I'm determined to be different. I appreciate how you've taught us to limit set with our kids.
2: This is also a time to remember that dealing with teenagers, especially For Christian parents, this is not math. You don't have to do it perfectly every time. You can do the wrong thing and then clean it up later or find that you're not doing what you should be doing and then put it back in place. So perfection is not the key here. Do the best you can and recognize that ultimately these are not our children and God will handle your kid even when, if, when you don't.
1: Exactly. And I think it's important to remember, too, that there's always this going back to it, making changes that work for our family, changing the consequences when they're not effective. You that's know, right. and it's constant reevaluation and, and that's right. Changing as we go. That's right. So good. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ashley, for adding to our conversation. I appreciate you both. Thanks. Thank you.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Also, leave us a review. This is how other listeners find our podcast.
1: Follow us on Instagram at Feeding the Mouth. We appreciate you and would love to hear from you. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas about what we've discussed today, please email us at podcast at